Good evening, everyone. This is Black Men's Whisper, episode three. We came back again with two totally different guests, two amazing guests, and we are going to talk today about the Black man's image, the image of the Black man. And I have Hakeem here, and I have Asa here, and I am Ambrosia, and I would love you guys to introduce yourselves. Hakeem, you can go first. Okay, well, my name is Hakeem Royce. Okay, it's your boy, Brother Royce, one time for your mind, though. <laughs> Ask the handle. But um, in actuality, um, just um, I do a lot of community work with the youth. I work with the youth a lot. Um, youth martial arts, youth mental health, uh, youth spiritual counseling. Um, anything with building up, you know, the youth and the future of our generation, the future of our nation. Um, that's what I'm on. Um, black nationalist, uh, all of that, all of that. So I'm glad to be here. Uh, welcome. You'll get to know me more. Yes, as we go through these questions. <laughs> of course, of course. And I know him because we worked together this summer and he was teaching my students martial arts. And I've seen so many of them transform. It was amazing. Yeah. And you, Mr. Asa, introduce yourself to the guests. Hey, my name is uh, Asa Robert Shaw, son of Albert Shaw and Tangela Roberts from South Florida. <clears throat> Happy to be here with y'all. Um, I am a lifelong organizer and I guess you could say political act activist, but definitely revolutionary. Um, black revolutionary, and um, I am just trying to do what I can to make sure that I stay useful to my people um, and, you know, get us closer to um, a revolutionary America that can be better for all people in it. I love mm -hmm. it. I sure. love it. So let's start off with our first question, like I said, and either of you can jump in. What do you feel is the Black man's image in the media? today as of 2022 mm, okay well i get the, the ball rolling um three things that come to mind and I, like i said you guys will get to know me more as we answer these questions but um let's say outspoken is one thing but uh three things that come to mind is um number one um either emasculated or Number two, um, unintellectual, meaning no mind, all body, you know, so the savage image, we could put it in that category. And um, I would say pretty much any other image than uh, alpha male or leader. And um, that's pretty sad because um, there's a lot of homes with strong black fathers, strong black leaders. Um, we see here with Asa Roberts, there's a lot of strong black um, leaders in our communities that are males, you know, but um, everything but that image is portrayed of the black male in the media. And maybe there's a fear of the alpha male image. Hmm. Who knows? I'm pretty sure that's what it is. What do you think, Asa? Uh, and I agree. Uh, I think uh, first uh, is to go along with the savageness that Brother Hakeem was talking about, a, a, a very um, flamboyant materialism. 
um, mm. that I think is uh, just, you know, anytime you see any of our entertainers that are black men and, you know, most of our entertainers are uh, black men. If you look at sports <laughs> right, and, and acting and music, you know, black men make up a large amount of entertainment industry. Um, and most of them are always, you know, riddled with chains and cars and different things of that nature. Um, so I think you see um, the the world sees a, um, not only just a black man image, but this 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 sort of affluent, ostentatious American image. Oh. Um, and black folks, black men are the mascot of that a lot of times, I think. Mascot. Um, oh, wow. And a lot of specifically immigrants around the world, you know, when they come here, that's the image that they see, you know. True. Um, they see that image, you know, the savage materialist um, uh, image. And they also see this very poor uh, uh, image of black folks, too. So they don't have, you know. I think a lot of, I, I, I live in South Florida and from here, um, you know, we're, this is a immigrant uh, Capital, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I was, uh, growing up, they called me regular Black because I was the only person that wasn't <laughs> Caribbean. <laughs> wow. I've heard, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I was the only person that wasn't Caribbean. But because of that, you know, you get different variant like thoughts. So it's interesting to ask people what they think about Black folks and Black men specifically. And uh, uh, a lot of them uh, think lowly because of the images that's portrayed of us. And a lot of that comes from um, what they see just in the media. So I think that there's that, that sort of like media thing, uh, the savage and the materialist. And then there's this also, I think just uh, when you see Black men, you think of death. Um, oh, gosh, I think, um, and that's, that's hard to, I think, consume, but specifically like with the political world that's going on, you know, it's always another brother dying, um, always another brother dying, whether that be, um, at the hands of, um, another brother or at the hands of the cops, or it's just, it seems like you always see something of like black men getting put in the ground violently too. So it's yeah. not like, you know, not like, you know, they have on the news a whole bunch of brothers have died of sickle cell or something. It's, uh, exactly. it's always violent stuff. And then I think um, there's, a, there's this image of Black men that's a sort of quagmire where people just don't know where to place them, right? Because we, you know, when you look at patriarchy and masculinity and different things like that, these things exist, right? Um, and Black men specifically, you know, we're not on the same level as white men. You know, mm -hmm. so there is a certain level of privilege that we have as men in the world, mm -hmm. um, but we don't have the same privilege as white no. men. Mm -hmm. And we don't have the same privileges a lot of these other folks, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, where do you place this guy um, that's, that's creative, that is uh, marginalized, um, that creates the sort of culture that helps to create Black women, create a lot of it too, but create a lot of the culture of the United States and the urban culture of, of America, where do you place these folks um, in that sense too? So I think that there's a, you know, sometimes people don't know where to place be like, man, because we just don't fit the regular box, you know. Divergence. Mm -hmm. I think we have uh, Chico on with us. Are you here with us, Chico? 
Yeah, I'm in right now. I'm driving, so I couldn't cut on my camera. I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. We are just talking about what the black man's image is. So uh, if you wanted to chime in, you can. Wow, the black man image. Uh, in the media, image. in the media right now. In the media. Oh, well, they're trying to destroy the black man image in the media right now. It's like everything we do right now, uh, what I feel the media in the world doesn't take take consideration of or even look at is the fact that the struggle the black man go through every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go as far as just mental health issues. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we had a brother the other day, Antonio Brown, right uh, nfl football player he spazzed out and left the field but nobody took into consideration his mental you know his mental capacity where he was mentally nobody know what happened but they automatically jumped the conclusion then or everybody went against him and was just like oh he's stupid he bad and he is this and that and that and that but nobody took into consideration this guy passed i personally know him you feel me mm -hmm. when we were younger he he faced a murder charge he did all kinds of stuff so he had a, a childhood that was strong that he went through a lot of stuff that the average teenager didn't go through but people don't realize that now in his life you know what oh, i'm wow. saying like what he's going through and it's other people it's millions of brothers like him it's not just him it's so many of us walking around every day and we we're taught to keep a smile on our face and to hold this uh this alpha image but most of us are broken down inside and we don't, and people don't even know that. You oh, know wow. what I'm saying? So, so the media itself, they, they just continue to break us down. They don't even, they don't try to uplift the black man. And then we have our own people that don't try to uplift us because the media is teaching them to go against us. And right. it falls all the way back to the Willie Lynch letter. We still yeah. living in that same era, either if, if, if it's real or fake. I don't know if the letter's real, but even if it's not, that it, we were still living in those times to this day. Because right. right now, everybody who's talking bad about that brother are black people. You don't hear white people on TV talking about him. It's our own kind going against him. So wow. it's, it's, the media has taught us, they, they taught us, they divide and conquered us. And that's what they're doing to the black image right now. They divide and conquering it. So when you say they, who is the they that's behind this? The media, like I, I can't specifically say as a white man or as a, you know, I, I can't specifically say, but media itself, like the people who operate the puppet masters, the people who operate in the behind the scenes, those people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, I did. And I even heard something about him today that he, he made a mistake and posted his um bank account information on online. So he must be under an enormous amount of stress. Um Antonio Brown. A so, lot of us, a lot of us as black men, we don't get those mental health. Maybe it's not cool for the black man to seek mental health, or maybe another perspective. Maybe what's going on with the black male is isn't so much mental as it is spiritual. You know, if you're going through something spiritual, I don't know if a mental health counselor can exactly address those kind of things. You know, so. Uh, it's a lot that black male goes through that's that's that we have to deal with on our own, especially with the gender roles, you know, the 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 gender wars, not gender roles, the gender wars wow. that kind of put us at odds with our black women a lot of the time. So for a lot of us black men, it is us sitting alone in our own space trying to figure stuff out. And that can be healthy 
in a sense, if you have some kind of sense of spirituality, but if you talk to most of the black men, um, we don't know if God is real. Uh, we don't know if we can believe the Jesus story. We don't have a strong spiritual foundation at all. So now you have a man without a strong spiritual foundation because that's been all kind of misinterpreted and scrambled up, sitting alone, trying to figure out spiritual issues. And then we have to, like the brother say, come out and put a smile on our face. It gets rough inside. Uh, I agree with you 100% on that. It's like uh, what I've learned is that we are taught to shun mental health. Mm -hmm. We are taught to make mental health look like it's weak. Oh, if you, oh, you crazy, you talking to a therapist, you weak. You know what I'm saying? That's what we were taught as black men. But it's the total opposite because now since I'm seeing a therapist and a couple of my brothers who I'm around every day seeing therapists, and it seems like we way better now. Like it's like if we all come together and we have a thing called men's circle. Uh, with black man Bill and brothers get to come down and like pour it all out, you know what I'm saying? Wow. And, and to see brothers literally come in there and cry sometimes and just let it all out, like that's what it's all about, you know what I'm saying? It's a safe space. And but we were taught to think that that was weak, you know. I'm and I'm I'm a I'm a person who was one of those people who really thought that was weak my whole life until I got into a position where, damn. I can't even control my anger because I'm so mad because of so much built up stuff in me and I need to talk to somebody about it. That's true. And that's what's happening to our boys. Um, they're very angry in the school and, and they're lashing out, but they're really asking for help, begging for help. And they it's, it's not for us to just write them an IEP and put them in the system. They just need somebody to talk to. Right. Um, that brings me to my next question. Um, thinking of anger and and possibly letting it off in the wrong way. Uh, what do you guys think the word prison reform means? I know in a lot of political circles, they talk about prison reform and that's what gets people elected. But what does that actually mean to you? Prison reform? Anyone? Well, um, so reform always means um reform always means um changing the way that something works inside of the confines of a box right mm -hmm. um as opposed to revolution which is means throwing out the whole damn box and then mm -hmm. putting a new box there right so uh when you say prison reform what I'm thinking of is like, how do we um, make it so that brothers in prison are able to get their degrees? Or how do we make it so that brothers and brothers or sisters or anybody that's in jail are able to uh, get access to better beds, get back better access to better health care, et cetera, in prison, but which is good, but it doesn't address the real reason why people are going to prison at the rates that they're going to prison. Um, what can we do to change that whole system? And even asking the question, is locking someone in a cage um, uh, for 10, 15 years, the thing that we need to do to, to, to produce rehabilitation, right? Um, and when you ask those questions, you're talking about revolutionizing um, uh, justice and what mm -hmm. justice looks like. So I think prison reform is just, you know, us thinking about what are some of the band-aids that we can put on this thing to make it better 
until a time where we can completely change this thing. Okay, Hakeem or, yeah, or was, uh, Chico. Yeah, that was definitely um, where I was going with it because you know, when it comes to prison reform, I'm all about dealing with the roots of the issue, you know? So um, number one, if we're not dealing with the privatizing of prison and the fact that prison is a business and the fact that the strength of how a prison trades on the stock market is by how many heads they have in the prison. So it's more of a push to keep heads in the prison than to actually keep heads out of the prison. If we're not dealing with that, then what are we talking about reforming? You know, um, it's a lot that goes into that. I mean, the, the, the system was set up in a way to funnel, you know, our, our black men and, and our black people in general, you know, into these prisons, you know, the family structure broken, the drugs put into our community, um, the guns put into our community, uh, the music that promotes the activity that gets you in prison put into the community. So when all of these things are continuing to happen, plus the privatizing the prison, to me, it's kind of a slap in the face to be like, hey, how can we reform the prison system? You know what I'm saying? Is, is, it's is working the way they want it to anyway. Exactly. So it's like, um, you're not really asking a question that you want a solution to. It's, 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 Ace articulated it so well. Um, you're asking me uh, what Band-Aid can we put on it to make you feel better about how the system, system is operating. And I'm, I'm not for Band-Aids. Um, revolutionary is, is definitely the word when it comes to my rationale. Chico? Well, I have a lot to say about this because this is one of my strong points. This is something that I actually fight for and talk about regularly. First of all, no such thing as prison reform. That's a word these crackers came up with to try to, you know, have a way to get more funding to keep funding their prisons. Because the average, okay, I'm going to just give it to you like this. In 1989, they banned guys from getting their college degrees in prison. How can you say reform if I'm in prison trying to get a college degree to come home to better myself and you just stop it for no reason? You had no, you you got mad because you had prisoners going to school and they're beating their own cases, like getting educated and beating their own cases and they stopped yeah. that because they didn't like it. Thanks. You get what I'm saying? So that right there alone lets you know that they don't plan on reforming anybody. Now, at the same time, because he always be the devil's advocate because I've been a correction officer before and I've been an inmate before. And as an inmate, the thing is, if you want to reform yourself, you can. Mm. Because you could go in prison and you could, it's things there that you could take into consideration and learn stuff to better yourself to come out a better person. But that's really the individual. But right. the, the, the bad part about that, again, is that you take a, a perfectly regular humanized individual, then you put them in a jungle with nothing but killers and murderers and you expect him to come out the same person and he sure. won't come out the same person. Right. Absolutely it's, not. There's a difference when you come home. I did three years in federal prison and to this day, I've been home three years and to this day, I still put my back to the wall. I still look around. I still, it's, it's wow. stuff that you have to become when you're in prison and it stays with you when you come home. Right, because you have you're in survival mode in there. 
Yes. And then when you come home, I had one of my cousins the other day. He just, he was like, man, we ain't in prison no more. And I'm like, what you talking about? You're like, man, what you got your back up against the wall for? What you said? You know, but it's natural because when you, you, you're doing it to survive now. So when you come home, I still find myself putting my stuff in the corner. I still find myself stacking my stuff up neatly because that's some stuff that you become and you don't become, that's one form of institution a lot, but you're trained to live a certain way. So when you got somebody coming back to society, they're not preparing you for society. That's the problem. Wow, like right now, I'm working on a program right now. Where we're trying to actually have a real reentry program, so when people come home, that they get the proper help they need. Because it's more than just sending somebody home with a job. If mm-hmm. a guy, if you just imagine, like this guy told me the other day, he said, if you take a dog and you put him in a cage for five years, and you just open the cage and let him out, that dog gonna run wild and try to fuck anything and kill anything he can because he's free again. Right. But if you took that dog and before you released them, you took him out of the cage a little bit, you taught him some stuff, you, you worked with him, you helped him, you know, and he could come out and be a success, I mean, a, a productive person. And just like, and I hate to compare men to animals, but it is what it is. Because that's the way they treat us when they put us in those cages. Yeah, so, I mean, and when you're in that situation, the, the, anim- the reptilian animal part of your brain, it actually gets activated. You literally become like you're in the wild again. Survival exactly. mode only. And, and wow. you have people in prison who are the best, the nicest, sweetest guys, and they leave out monsters because they are trained to become monsters in prison. Because you taking a guy who never seen somebody get murdered to see somebody get murdered almost daily, you know. What? So when you see when you when you when you're in a situation like that, you know it's hard for you to think about educating yourself when you're just trying to worry about surviving. You get what I'm saying? So yeah, but. Is ways to still fix the system, but like you said, if they're not, if, if the government or whoever these private prisoners are not trying to really rehabilitate, it's never going to work. So we need to just defund the whole system and come up with a better whole system. That's basically what it is. Um. Wow, that almost sounds like war, right? When people go to the military and they come exactly. back and they have PTSD and they're still they're still waking up at five, they're still lining up everything. It's like uh. A hardwired program. A lot of these uh, systems are the same structure. When I went to the military, I went to the military and my cousin who grew up with me as a brother, he went to prison and the programming is almost identical. Like when he told me what he went through in prison, except for, and that's not to take away from the people trying to kill each other, but the way the guards treat you, um, the way the, the, the setup is up until I got to operational where it's like, all right, you're free now. But um, I spent about a a year in the boot camp and the tech schools and everything is kind of the same mentality. Break you down or allow the inmates to break you down, but in some shape, fashion, or form, break you down and then build you back up being used to a system. So whether they do that in prison, whether they do that in military, whether they do it in the school system, a lot of, when I got out of the military, I got out of the military with an understanding that Because when you get in the military and you sign that contract, they take the covers off and they say, hey, this is how things work, but you signed the contract, so there's nothing you can do about it. So seeing the the skeleton, the the bones of how things work, I said, okay, most of these things are systems of control. Yeah, pretty much. Control of your mind. Yeah. Um, Well, do you think we should start grooming young men 
to be um, politicians and, and leaders, should we start earlier? Like, should we should we be grooming our politics? Because I know other people do that. The people that are here now, they went to specific schools and were told, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go in here. We're going to elect you. You're going to be under our control. You're going to fight for us. Should we be doing that? As a, as a youth counselor, um, I, I guess I'll take a first swing at the question. Um, I think more so grooming them to be leaders than politicians, you know? Um, the schools, as I said before, the schools, uh, the prisons, uh, the military systems are different forms of uh, systems of control. You know, so being in college, uh, you know, having a general four-year degree, um, it's more of the same thing to me. This is, you know, this is from my perspective, you know. Um, this is how you operate in the system and we're gonna educate you on how to operate in the system and we're gonna educate you on how to maneuver through the system and, Getting your degree is saying you've been educated in how to interact and integrate into the system, you know, so from my perspective, raising a child to be a politician is like training them to go into the system. And I can see that I can definitely see that being an application, you know, um, I like the idea of training our, our children to be leaders and a leader is whether inside the system, whether outside of the system, a leader is more so internal. It's more so how can you deal with whatever the world throws at you to come out on top for the sake of your people, for the sake of your community, for the sake of the things that matter, for the sake of, you know, for the things that matter, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I would put more of an emphasis on raising somebody to be a leader, but I can see raising somebody to be a politician, raising somebody to go in and know how to navigate through the system. Now, my only question to somebody who would take that endeavor on is to be a politician or to operate at that level, you have to submit to the system, the system's way of thinking, no matter who you are. So if you are the person that would take that endeavor on, how would, how would you approach it? How would you navigate that? Yeah, because everybody has, if you're going to be a politician or some kind of leader, everybody has to come to the same system and sort of plug in. So how would you navigate that coming from our world and trying to raise up a young politician? Can I go next? Absolutely. All right. Well, me personally, the reason I want to go for Asa, because Asa is, I know you're going to give us a lot with that because that's his, this is forefront. You feel me? But politicians to me, I just feel like we just need to build strong young leaders. So we, we take them and breed strong leaders like just strong black men period they ain't gotta be a leader just build black men period that's what black man build is about taking these young guys molding them teaching them and educating them in every aspect of life and if they chose to if they choose to go that route and become a politician we know that they are the best fit for it because we raised them the correct way i like that's that my thing with that yeah so to piggyback <laughs> off uh, uh chico i mean that's so I think the the idea, a lot of people try to create these things called candidate pipelines where they're training up people to be specific politicians. The right does that and like white folks do that in very yeah. specific ways. The rich do that. Um, uh, but I think that, um, I, I don't know if that's the right way to do it. I, I wouldn't do it that way. I think the way that we should be thinking about this thing is everybody could be called to take a position. 
It's mm-hmm. like, Inga, if, you, if we know that in your area, you're the best person to become an elected official there because you're the best person. You're the best leader there. You're the person that knows the most and we need you to do it. We need someone to do it because of whatever reason in your community. Then maybe uh, we should all have it in the back of our mind or be trained up through a system of community knowledge that at some point I could be called to do this for my people, right? Okay. Um, and I think that that's more of the way we should think about it. It's like we should be training everybody to have these sort of skills and understanding. And uh, at the moment that someone is needed, they should probably um, be willing or should be talked about talked to about possibly taking on that position, right? Um, and I, the only reason I say that is because when we when we put out like the feelers for candidate pipelines, a specific type of person usually decides to jump inside of that pipeline, right? Yeah. Um, it's somebody that wants to be a politician. It's somebody that kind of wants that sort of uh, pedestal or that stage or uh, wants to be in front, you know? And the best, I think, elected officials to me has always been the people that don't want that. Um, but the okay. people that are more grounded uh, in their communities and they have taken this on because they know that they needed to do it. That they need to do it. That's interesting. Um, so I think that that's more the way that we should be thinking about it when it comes to that specifically. Um, and I think to Hakeem's point way back at the beginning when he talked about a spiritual groundedness, I, although I do think that we need uh, mental health services and that's always going to be important. I think that spirituality is not just religion. I think spirituality right. is more like a holistic grounding in self, right? Yeah. And it's like, what, what's the values that you have that's inherent to your soul like what what's the imprint on your soul when it comes to your values when something happens to you and you turn your nose up to it and you don't even know why that's probably your values telling you that something's wrong here Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and what are the values that we're imprinting on people's soul and i think that's where spirituality comes in and that doesn't have to come through religion i grew up in the church right so there's certain things just inherent in me that I'm going to go and do or stay away from, right? right, right. Uh, until a point where I can reason myself to do those things. I remember it took me until I was like uh, my junior year in high school. I remember the day when I finally threw up the middle finger. Right? Oh, wow. Because <laughs> back in the day, they told me, they said, if you throw up the middle finger, you said F you to God. Oh. So I was like, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> wow. Never going to do that. And it's just like, very silly things, but it also shows you something that silly I would never do. Right. A value that was printed on me, right? So when you look at something like the Nation of Islam, or you look at even Black Men Build, and the way that we, we're trying to build a culture of Black men um, that are vulnerable with each other, that support each other, that are able to communicate their feelings, that are able to talk through arguments, able to have very good conversations, serve their people, um, and have a value set that they don't stray away from, that's what we need to do. So if we can have those types of people that have those values imprinted on themselves, and we ask them one day, like Chico said, to run for office, then we know what type of elected official that person is going to be, because we know the values that that person has. So I think it's 
that that sort of like spirituality or thought around that that groundedness i think is what we need to be doing with these youth um and just our our folks period so that when we do call on them they we know that they have the 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 values necessary let me let me ask each of you what who who is black in south florida as you said earlier we are a very mixed community and uh, when somebody is going for election, re-election, uh, things do seem to get segregated. Um, the Haitian people vote for the Haitian people. The Spanish people vote for the Spanish people. The Black people have to scramble around and try to make our group bigger. Who, who is Black? And what, what does Black mean to you? Is it all-inclusive or is it, I think Ice Cube said, it's born in America. Uh, descended from slaves what does black actually mean to each of you anyone i let one of y'all two kick that off <laughs> <laughs> chico uh that's a that's actually a tough question that's crazy oh uh, that should be easy i know um, you gotta be from here to understand <laughs> Yeah, I, like that's what I'm like. Well, my personal opinion, this is my personal opinion. Black is black to me, no matter what your nationality is. Okay. You know, I, I don't care if you if you if you're a black Puerto Rican, you black to me. Oh, right. You're black Colombian, you black to me. You black Haitian, I don't care to me. You black, you black. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't choose and divide between or the the um. Uh, your nationality. If you if you if you share the same views I share and you you on the same level I'm on, you black. Wow. You fight for the same thing I'm going through. You go through the same hardships I go through. You black. All right. You know what I'm saying? That's that's my personal opinion. I I, I can't speak for anybody else, but you know, but but then all, at the same time, all 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 people of your skin ain't your friend either. Yeah. Right. So you gotta also know that too. You gotta also <laughs> know that. You know, you and it's sad to say that. It's the truth. But, you know, we being real on it. It's, it's the truth. So hmm. you all, uh, I try to, I try to, to me, black is people who doing the work. That's hmm. what I want to say. Black is people who, cause see, right now I'm here in the community, and I'm out here every day. Me and Asa, Phil, we out here every day. You got muted somehow. And we are, I want my bad, my phone. We are here every day. And you have people who come out here and don't do shit, but they getting all mm -hmm. the funding and money to do shit and they ain't doing nothing. I'm sorry right. if I don't, I don't know if I put a cuss on this podcast, but I'm Listen, sorry. Listen, this but, is unfiltered. Unfiltered. Okay, so, but uh, that's like messed up. You have people who aren't doing no work, but they call themselves black groups and black, or then you have black groups yeah. that, that are real black groups who are not using the funding to do what they're supposed to do. Mm. So that's another hardship in itself. We are probably one of the lowest funders that people that's funded out here, but we do more of the community work than most people in Miami right now. You know right. what I'm saying? Because we're doing it out of our pockets, out of our hearts. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not downing anybody because it's, it's some great groups out here, but I know some ones who got a lot of money who ain't oh, yeah. nothing. Yeah. So with that being said, and it, that, that's one of my touchy subjects when it comes to us being black in Miami, 
we're not one of one of our biggest problems in Miami is that we are not unified. Unified, exactly. That's where the question comes Instead from. Of, if we were unified, we would be the majority, really. This uh, this lady named her name is Miss Connie Burton. I always talk about this. Uh, Miss Connie Burton, she's a uh, well, she told me she's not an ex Panther. She is still a Black Panther, so she always tell me to say that. But okay. She said. She said, we don't fail because we, we are number. We fail because we don't organize. And that's our line. Mm -hmm. And she said, that's what it is. She said, we're, she said, we're not our number. We just unorganized. And until we can organize and really become coalitions instead of just becoming individual organized organizations, because Black Man Bill, we can't do it by ourselves. Brother, Circle Brotherhood can't do it by themselves. Uh, Black Collective can't do it by themselves. You know, uh, my Worker Center can't do it by themselves, but if you take all of us and put us together, wow. we can do something great. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to have to actually get together and be able to trust each other. And that's what the biggest problem with putting coalitions together is the trust. Right. Divide and, and conquer. All the way back to Willie Lynch again. We oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it goes back to the plantation, you know, divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that, Asa? Um got a train going by. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh okay. I think that um I mean this 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 is a hard question to answer, like everybody said. I mean, there's a certain amount of um this question that I think we should um not take too much uh time to try to get completely right and we should just do what chico said if you're black you're black if you're black you're black because <laughs> uh and the only reason i say that is because when we try to get into the weeds of this thing we start to cause divisions that just ain't necessary right, right? Mm -hmm. um but i do think that there should be like a functional um like if you if you think it about uh I think there should be like a political definition of it, right? Um, which is, I think, more functional and more important. Um, and I think that political definition is based on um, what that person does for Black people. Wow. Um, and what that person um, believes in and does that align in with what Black people across the country and the world really need, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's the more important thing, to be honest, right? Um, whether or not you're black, I mean, we can we can have a whole bunch of conversations about that. Sure, uh, sure. But um, what they do for black people, I think, is the most important thing. And, and you know, some folks that, like Chico said, all skin folk and kin folk, you know, yeah. if you know black folks, uh, I remember a while ago I was looking at the poorest countries in the world. Um, and I started to cry because 17 of them were black. Right. Uh, I haven't looked at this same list in, in two years, so I don't know what it is now. And the rest of the countries were, <laughs> I think, in Asia somewhere or the Middle East. Um, and if you know anything about black history, you know that we're not inherently a poor people. We're not like dumb. You know, we're not any less than anybody else. But something happened to us to put us in this position, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why we're 17 of the poorest countries in the world. And because that's true, um, anybody that says that they're working on behalf of black people, they have to be working on behalf of poor people, right? Yeah. Because it's yeah. just 
whether you like it or not, <laughs> that's a, a lot of our people are poor, right? A lot of our people need food. A lot of our people need water. A lot of our people need health care. Yeah. So a lot of these things, uh, if people aren't for them, then are they for Black people, right? right? Because that's what the masses of Black people need. When somebody in, in the United States said that they don't want like free health care for everybody, right? Or like health care for all for everyone, you know, something like that will mo majorly help the masses of Black people in America, right? Health bills is the number one um, yes. reason for um, uh, what's what's that? What does it mean? Bankruptcy. Bankruptcy, right? And a lot of those people are black. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like if you're not for that, and you say you don't want your taxes to go up, then which like which swath of black people or people period are you really talking about? Your for? Are you talking about the masses of black people, or are you talking about rich and middle class black people? Wow. You see what I'm talking about? So I think it's like when we're thinking about someone that's that's down for the masses of black people, then they always have to be somebody that's like Dr. King. They always have right. to be somebody that's saying like, we need our check for the masses of black people, right? We don't just need one billionaire or two billionaire black people because that's not going to help the masses. No, it's that's going to help those two billionaires <laughs> and their kids, right? So it's you know, some of these things, we just got to, you know, who, what do they do for Black people? Um, right. And what's their thoughts about that, I think is the more important thing.